0: stand, if you will, as we come to the reading of God's Word this morning uh, from the 19th chapter of the book of 2 Chronicles. look at the first three verses of that chapter. You can hear the word of the Lord uh, from 2 Chronicles chapter 19, verses 1 through 3. Then Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned safely to his house in Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him, and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Therefore the wrath of the Lord is upon you. Nevertheless, good things are found in you, and that you have removed the wooden images from the land, and have prepared your heart to seek God. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to these words of Holy Scripture this morning, now we ask that Your Holy Spirit would open our hearts and our minds to receive Your truth, and we would be blessed both this day and forevermore. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. One of the things that all of the kings of Israel and Judah were supposed to do, when they came into office was that they were supposed to sit down with the scroll of the book of Deuteronomy and being seated down with this scroll they were to have a scroll an empty scroll in front of them and they were to write now I have to do it backwards since Hebrew's from right to left they would write out the entire book of Deuteronomy And the idea behind that was twofold. One, the king, who had to give an account to the Lord for all that he had done, could not say to to the Lord God, well, I didn't know. Because God could say, look, you wrote it down. You testified that you know these things. I know many of us, when we're clicking through things online, there always comes these terms and conditions things. And you're supposed to read, right, all of the terms and conditions. Because at the end, what do you have to do? You have to click that little box and you have to say, I read all of these things. Now, I'm not going to ask for a, a show of hands, but how many of us actually read all those terms and conditions? I'm sure some of you probably do, but I will confess that I almost never do that. I mean, I could be offering up my firstborn and, you know, who knows, Apple might come and and get them one day. But I mean, these these lists of things, right, we're assenting to these terms and conditions. Well, the, the, the king of Judah, the king of Israel, could not say, well, I wasn't aware that you had called me to make sure that your kingdom testified to your word, to your law, and to your grace. And one of the ways in which God reminded the kings of Judah and Israel of their covenant, of the agreement that they made with the Lord, is that He would send prophets to them. To kind of remind them of these things and of course we, we, we see this uh, after we sign those terms and conditions right we'll, we'll get emails reminding us that we signed uh, 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 these things we'll, we'll get reminders every now and then that especially if you clear your cookies or something you know you, you'll have to go back and do it again. Well, again God is sending these prophets to the kings so that they will be reminded, Of the seriousness, not only of their office, but of the seriousness of the consequences of their violating this covenant that they made with the Lord. And of course, Jehoshaphat is no different. It's interesting as we look at this passage this morning, uh, that one of the uh, ways that God convicts Jehoshaphat is by the particular prophet that he has sent to Jehoshaphat, we're told uh, there in uh, verse 2 that the prophet is Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer. Now again, what's interesting here is that his father was visited by a prophet. Of course, Jehoshaphat's father's name was Asa. In 2 Chronicles 16 it tells us, And at that time Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah. So Jehu's dad spoke to Asa, and now Jehu, the son of Hanani, has come to speak to Jehoshaphat. Now, what did Hanani have to say to Asa, king of Judah? Well, again, in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 7, it says, And Hanani said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria, and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand.'" Now remember what we had just read at the end of chapter 18. What had happened when Jehoshaphat had not trusted in the Lord, had allied himself with Ahab king of Israel, and had gone into battle at Ramoth Gilead? Well, the king of Syria escaped from his hand. And why did the king of Syria escape from his hand? the exact same reason this had happened to his father, because he did not place his trust in the living and the true God. But it sought the counselors, it sought the wisdom of the false prophets of the land of Israel. And remember, God had warned him that this was going to take place. He had, he had sent the prophet Micaiah to warn him of these things, and he had ignored the counsel of this prophet. And now Jehoshaphat is being visited by Jehu. Now there are a couple of things that the Lord is wanting us to pick up on in this passage. First of all, that we see the danger of when fathers do not pass godly counsel on down to their sons. We see Jehoshaphat committing the same sin that his father had committed. And for the same reason that his father had committed these things. Remember way back at the beginning of January when we started this sermon series, we heard that Asa had died at the end of his life with a great disease and had given himself over completely to the gods of the Philistines and the gods of the nations surrounding Israel to the point that his body was burned and not buried with his fathers. And why was that? Well, again, because Asa had not heeded the counselors that God had sent him. And we see here Jehoshaphat is repeating the same mistakes of Asa. Because again, Asa had turned away from the Lord, had not properly brought his son up in the faith, had not warned him of the dangers of aligning with evil men. And you know, Jehoshaphat finds himself here again in this same situation. One of the things that his father Solomon warned in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs 11 of 14 is that where there is no counsel, the people fall. And what Solomon means there is that it's not the absence of counselors that's the problem. It's where the counsel that people get is evil. That's the problem. Matter of fact, people are better off with no counsel than if all of the counseling they get is wrong. And when we think of that, it kind of makes obvious sense. You'd much rather your child be ignorant than your child be knowledgeable in the wrong things. You think of a child growing up in the 1940s in Germany who was being raised in the Hitler Youth. They were learning a lot of things. They were very well educated. But what were they educated in? Some of the most evil and wicked things that we could possibly imagine. Would you rather your child grow up in that kind of environment or, or grow up kind of like Tarzan out in the jungle? When we provided those two options, I think most of us would, would, would rather our children grow up like Tarzan without being filled with evil and wicked thoughts. And Solomon here, again, is, is, is warning uh, his son as he's writing in the book of Proverbs, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But as usual in the Proverbs, there's a but that follows this. Again, it says there in 11.14, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Again, when Solomon's writing this, who are the counselors that he has in mind? Well, remember, you know, he's writing this to his son who's going to be king. And, and he's writing this uh, to his son, Rehoboam, especially. Now, remember what we hear about Rehoboam when it comes to counselors. And we read there in 1 Kings chapter 12 that as Rehoboam is taking over the kingdom, he has two sets of people he can listen to. All right? He has the elders who had been with his father Solomon, who gave him godly counsel, who, 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 who told him to release the pressure on the people, you know, to take away the dross of his father's kingdom, to remove the, 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 the evil things that had crept into Israel uh, towards the end of Solomon's life, to turn away from the pattern of life that his father had led. And then, of course... Rehoboam had his friends. He had these young people who had uh, kind of come up with him. These young people who were a multitude of counselors for uh, Rehoboam. And you remember what their counsel was. Their counsel was opposite what the elders had said rather than remove uh, the, uh, the, the, the strictures of Solomon and return back to the law of the Lord, they said, double what your father Solomon had done. Make things even harder on the people. And of course, who did Rehoboam listen to? Rehoboam listened to the counsel of his friends. And what was the consequences of Rehoboam listening to the counsel of his friends? We see the kingdom broken in two. We see Jeroboam leading a rebellion in the kingdom because the people were not going to stand there while Rehoboam made life difficult for them, especially in an ungodly way. And that's the, 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 the thing that Jehoshaphat is facing in our passage this morning. Who is he going to listen to? Is he going to listen to the counsel of the false prophets of Israel? Is he going to listen to the counsel that he has received from his father? Or is he going to receive the counsel of what God has sent him in the person of Jehu, the son of Hanani? Again, this is a a question that all of us face not only when we grow up, but it's a question that we face every day. Who are we going to listen to? And how are we going to know who we are supposed to listen to? Again, what makes Jehu different from all the false prophets that had counseled Jehoshaphat and Ahab to rush into battle? What made them different? Well, the obvious answer, of course, is that God sent Jehu and Satan had sent all the other false counselors. But again, how, how is Joshua back going to know the difference? And how are we going to know the difference from day to day when we have so many voices telling us to do one thing or to do another? We we'll can remember back to what Solomon had said in Proverbs eleven fourteen. 14. Again, there is safety in the multitude of counselors. It's worthwhile to remember when we think about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ... When we think about the wisdom of the Holy Scriptures, that we are reminded that we're not in this battle alone. That we're not a kind of uh, independent agents travailing the world. But that we have been given this multitude of counselors, we've been given the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to come to to seek those answers. But what happens if you're living in an environment where the church is not a place of safety? Because think about what the church is like in the day of Jehoshaphat. Right? How did Jehoshaphat find the church when he became king? Right? The church in Judah was full of false counselors. It was full of false prophets, full of false priests. It was full of the groves of Philistia. It was full of the poles of Ashtaroth. It was full of the, uh, the, 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 the wickedness of Molech. And where did Jehoshaphat turn when he became king? Well, again, remember what I said at the beginning. What did every king have to do? Well, every king had to go and they had to write out the book of Deuteronomy. And so if Jehoshaphat is writing out the book of Deuteronomy, what is happening? Can we see the blessed work of the Holy Spirit in awakening the mind of Jehoshaphat? As we read, for instance, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, the Ten Commandments there. And what is the second commandment? The second commandment is that thou shalt not make any graven image either of the things of below or the things above or of the Godhead itself. And so think of your Josephat and you're writing this out. And as you're writing this out in your palace, you're looking around and what do you see? You see nothing but graven images everywhere. And what do we then see Joshua do? Again, we see a response. He goes out and he clears the temple of these things. And again, where did he learn this? He didn't learn it from Asa, he didn't learn it from the priests that he had grown up under. He learned it from the word that God had given to him. And we see the response of this. So, again, to answer that question again, what are we to do even if. We are in an environment where we have nothing but false counselors. Where can we turn to know that which what we are to do? Well, again, the Lord our God has blessed us immensely in this age. in Sabbath school this morning, we were talking about how Jesus went from synagogue to synagogue. And in every synagogue, there were these huge rolls, right? These scrolls that contained the Word of God. You know they were large, they were heavy, and they were not something that every household had access to. You know, if you wanted to read the word of God, what did you have to do? You had to go down to the synagogue and you had to ask the priest or the Levite to get these scrolls out, and then you had to spend hours turning the scrolls until you got to the right place. Well, what do we have with us today? I don't have my phone on me, but you know we can hold our phones up and we have access to more information than any human being in the history of creation. But not only that, we have the very word of the Living God that we can get for almost pennies on the dollar at Walmart. Again, we are living in a blessed age of access to information. But what's the reality of the church today? You know, the church is largely ignorant of what the Word of God says. And there seems to be a, 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 a real kind of, you know, kind of odd thing about that. And we have access to all of these things, but we're, we're almost uh, obstinate in our inability to read the Word of God. And I think one of the reasons for that in the church kind of largely today is because we have listened far too much to the counselors of this age which have told us that these are just stories. That this that this book that God has given to us is is kind of a uh, a gathering together of pithy uh, sayings. But again, remember the effect that it had on Joshua and the effect that the reading of God's Word had on Jehoshaphat is that he immediately went out and removed uh, the groves from the temple. He was convicted by what he read, and there was action that followed it. And remember, what did Jehoshaphat do after he removed the groves? He sent the judges out, he sent the priests out, he sent the Levites out, and what were they commanded to do? They were commanded to go to every city, every synagogue, every location in Judah. And they were told to teach the people the Word of God. And again, the purpose of that was that so others may see what Jehoshaphat saw in the Word. Again, the counsel that he had received from the Holy Scriptures. Now, one of the things we also see about Jehoshaphat is... Josaphat is also a man of clay feet. We saw after his initial conversion, his initial movement, his initial fruits of the Spirit, we see him stumble and fall greatly in the land of Israel. And why was was it the reason why he did this? Well again, because even though he had access to the very Word of the living God, where did he go for information? He went to the false prophets of Ahab and he ignored what Micaiah had said. Brothers and sisters, this is the danger that each one of us face daily. Again, are we going to listen to the counsel of the Word? Or are we going to listen to the counsel of the false prophets of this age? I mean, this is the answer to all of the trials and the troubles that we face when it comes to the unsettledness and the lostness of our minds and our hearts. I again, mean, Which counselor are we going to obey? Again, notice again what Jehu says to Jehoshaphat. He says, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Well, the obvious answer to that is, well, no, right? I mean, you know, if somebody stopped you in the middle of the street and said, should you help wicked people? Well, hopefully you would say, well, no, right? right? What should we do? Right? We should do away with wicked people, right? We should put wicked people in jail. But what do we do when we heed the counsel of the wicked? We give them authority, right? We give them power. We give them the place that they have. And then when we heed the counsel of the wicked, what happens to others who don't have access to the wisdom of the multitude of counselors? They're unable to withstand the teachings of the false prophets. It's one of the ways in which the church has to lead in this age. It's one of the ways in which we are called as individual Christians to to witness to the power of the gospel. Because again, if, if if the world around us can't tell the difference between the way we live and the way the world lives, then why would anybody want to be a Christian? Why would anybody see the need to be a Christian? If I can live and act as a pagan and I go to church on Sunday, well, it's obviously not having any effect on my life. And this is the real problem with Jehoshaphat. This is the problem that Jehoshaphat has laid upon the nation of Judah. Their king is supposed to be an example to the land. Their king is supposed to show everyone in Judah what it means to be a follower of the living and the true God. This is the great anger that, that, that Paul has with Peter at Antioch in the book of Galatians. You remember there how, how Paul will tell Peter that he has brought the gospel to disrepute by his actions. Here, Peter has been hanging out with the Gentiles. He's been, he, he's been hanging out eating non-kosher food with the Gentiles because that's what God told him to do. Right? You remember the, the, the witness of uh, the dream of Peter as the, the sheet is coming down from heaven and God is telling Peter that all food is clean. And that's a message, a testimony to the blessings of the New Covenant. And here Peter is eating with all of these Gentiles, having a good time, enjoying their fellowship. And the Jews show up, and what does Peter do? Peter backs off and says, I don't know about these people. Yeah, I, I wasn't doing this. What do you think that did to those Gentiles? It ruined the entirety of his testimony to them. Because it told the Gentiles that his faith really didn't mean anything. That everything he was saying was not really of much value to him. Again, this is what Jehoshaphat has done in the land. And that's why Jehu has come to him and said, again, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Therefore the wrath of the Lord is upon you. Again, Jehoshaphat, open your eyes. This is why these things have happened. Because you have turned away from the living and the true God and have run with wicked men. And you have been stained by their blood. You have shown the world that there is no difference between you and Ahab. But it's interesting again that God has sent this prophet, joseph It's interesting that even after Jehoshaphat's great wicked sin with Ahab, even after all of the evil that he has done, what has God seen fit to do? Again, God hasn't left Jehoshaphat in his sin. God hasn't abandoned Jehoshaphat. He hasn't written off Jehoshaphat. He hasn't thrown him away, as He does do with some kings of Israel after they have committed gross idolatry against him. You remember the, the scene in 1 Samuel chapter 15 when Saul is confronted by uh, uh, Samuel. You remember how, how how Saul tries to repent for the Lord and Samuel says, the Lord does not want to hear it, Saul. The Lord has given you away to your sins. But that hasn't happened to Joshaphat. The Lord has sent His prophet, Joshua to call him out of his sin. To call him out of his rebellion. And again, what's the purpose of this? We see this in verse 3. It says, Nevertheless, good things are found in you, and that you have removed the wooden image from the land, and have prepared your heart to seek God. And this is the blessed testimony of the Gospel to those who truly place their faith and trust in Him. This is one of the blessings of having a multitude of counselors. We're reminded that even when we do fall, even when we do sin before the Lord, that one of the things that the Lord blesses us with is with counselors who are willing to come to us in our sin. Willing to come before us. To call us out in our sin. Again, the reasoning here that we see is not so that Jehoshaphat can be shamed in this. But that Jehoshaphat can be brought out of the fire. And this is what uh, the, uh, the Apostle Jude talks about at the end of his letter. Again, what are we supposed to do with those who are rushing headlong into hell? We're to grab them out of the fire, hating even the garment that is tinged. And what's the purpose of that grabbing? Again, grabbing is not a passive thing. Right? I don't know anybody in the history of the world who's been grabbed gently. Right? You think, uh, illustrative wise, of a child running towards traffic. Right? Do you kind of just gingerly walk and say, hey, stop. All right, what do you do if a child's running towards traffic? You sprint and you grab them away because you know the danger that's awaiting them. But this is what God has done with Jehoshaphat. He has sent Jehu, the son of Hanani, to bring him back into the land, bring him back into the grace of God, bring him back through the repentance of his sin so that he might again see the wisdom of are the counselors of the Word of the living God. And it's one of the things, again, we need to always be reminded of is that when somebody is calling us out for our sin, when somebody is calling us out of darkness, out of our attempts to run into rebellion, that this is an act of love. This is an act of God seeking out His lost sheep and bringing them back into the fold. It's the message, of course, of the parable of the lost sheep, right? The 99 are gathered together and the one runs off. And what does the shepherd do? The shepherd leaves the 99 and goes and gets the one and saves it. Brings it back into the family, into the multitude of God's people. And this is the, the blessed story of Second Chronicles 19:1 through3, this reminder that God loves us enough to send us counselors who will call us out of our sin and into the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, most of us don't like being called out for our sin. You know, most of us don't like being notified that we are in rebellion. But again, remember what Peter does after Paul does this. What do we see out of Peter? Do we see Peter holding a grudge for the rest of his life because Paul called him out in front of everybody at Antioch? No, we see Peter in repentance embracing Paul. He embraces Paul and gives thanksgiving to him. Because again, he understands that Paul acted in love for him. Paul acted because he cared for him. Again, this goes back to what uh, Jehu has said to Josaphat. Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Well, for the Christian, the answer is yes. But how do we help the wicked? How do we help those who hate the Lord? Do we help them by allowing them to remain in their sin? Do we love them by abandoning them to the world? Do we love them by allowing them to rush headlong into destruction? Now, what is love? And what we see in the Scriptures, testified over and over again, that God is love. And how has God shown us His love? And What, what does that great and wonderful passage say? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish... But y'all have everlasting life. Again, think about what that says about what God's doing for Josaphat. God loves Josaphat enough to send Jehu, the son of Hanani, to call him out of darkness and to turn him back unto the kingdom. And then brothers and sisters, as we think about, again, this wicked world that's around us, we can't be like uh, so often we see in uh, churches where we kind of just huddle together and hope this time passes. Right? This is not the time for quietness. It's not the time to hide from the world and, and hope they forget about us. This is the time, as the Lord Jesus says there in Matthew chapter 9, the harvest is white. We're living in a time that has never been more ready for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We live in a time where so many of those around us are lost. So many of those around us are, uh, just don't know where to turn day to day, moment by moment. And we have in the Holy Scriptures the answer. We have in the Holy Scriptures the, the beauty of that same gospel that has saved us from hellfire why are we not burning in the opportunity to share it with others? And this is the call that we see in the Scriptures. This is the call for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to go out unto the world proclaiming the name of God to the nations so that they can be drawn out of the fire. So that they can be drawn out of eternal destruction, so they can be drawn out of the damage that comes with rebellion and sin. And that they might see what we see. That we're seeking a better country, a heavenly one. One the Lord God has established for the foundation of the world that we might live therein. This world given to us by. The great love of God the Father who has sent His Son to die for sinners that we who have been washed in His blood might receive not just the temporary blessings of hope and comfort, but the eternal blessings that come in the heavenly places in Christ. Amen. Let us pray.